everybody, and welcome to Reheated, the Leftovers podcast. This one covering Season 3, Episode 4, Good Eye Melbourne. And uh, this is the host, Mike Marbeck. And to the right, we have... Rob Alessiani. David Danella. And rounding third, Sean Keegan Landis. <laughs> Sean Keegan Landis. Uh, cool. Uh, let's go back to the left. Sean, Yes. what did you, what did you, what did you think of this episode? So, there's a lot to like about it. Um, I had one uh, minor complaint that I'll get into later, but uh, overall, uh, Teaser. I liked it. Uh, mm-hmm. That means keep yeah. listening, people. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for a minute 20. <laughs> David. Um, I also liked it. Um, I I mean I I can't handle pain. So this episode was uh, this episode was very hard for me yeah. to watch. Uh, Why are you watching the leftovers? Then? Like, like emotional well, pain? Yeah, because I mean you know I mean before the you know they, they, I felt like they weren't act, they weren't hurting each other. You know they were, really? they were they were all in a lot of pain. But this this uh, it, I, it was hard. Okay, uh, but I guess that's a sign of good drama. Is that it was real hard for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean to cause you further pain by pushing <laughs> uh, that on you. I don't um, like watching pain, so the pulling the tape off the skin was very <laughs> tough for me to watch. Otherwise, I was fine with all of it. Uh, no, I thought it was a very good episode. Um, I I thought there were a lot of cringe moments where I was like, I am very uncomfortable in my own skin because of what's happening, and I think that makes for a uh, a good show it evoked a lot of emotions and uh yeah i i I thought this was a great episode yeah i thought it was i thought it was a good one um i don't know that i put it in my top 10 uh leftover episodes yeah that means it's that means means it's a bottom bottom two thirds (laughs) yeah i don't know that i put it in top uh five or three for that matter um, we're getting less. Yeah, getting or less. Or top, less. I wouldn't put it in my top thirty leftovers episode. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it was good. Twenty um, fifth best at this point. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was there was definitely some tough stuff as far as the the emotion of things goes, and and seeing how quickly, uh, at least within this episode, things went from from bad to worse for uh, Kevin and Nora um, pretty quickly. Uh, and before this episode, um, uh, I think it was Sean that said, is this the episode where they break up? Yeah. Um, well, it's, yeah. The, it's in the, um, theme song yeah. that they chose for today by Ray LaMontagne was the mm-hmm. love is over. Yeah. Um, that seems to suggest that their love is over. Pretty on the head. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. All right, podcast over. Yeah, yeah. All right. Cool, cool. Oh, well, well, we, for... we didn't get to your thing. <laughs> oh, oh, well, let's tune in next week. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what What are the things you liked about the episode? What are the things you didn't like? How did, how did this story... Where? How are we further along than we were before? Uh, I thought a lot of what we saw tonight leaned into the... This is just people dealing with, like... And... and, and, and unimaginable <clears throat> reality that they found themselves in. Um, I thought that now that if we are to believe that Kevin and Nora are uh, splitsky, um, we're seeing a lot of uh, we're seeing a lot of um, a pattern now of people that are in a relationship that's probably not based on a lot of um, solid ground and what happens there. There's, there's these moments of like, yeah, let's 
have sex in an airplane. Let's have sex in an airport bathroom. Let's have a baby. Let's like. There's all these like grand gestures of trying to save something when in like when in reality it's like if we look at this it's like this is probably not the best relationship to be in. Um, and then they set fire to a a, a hotel. So I, I thought I thought it was a very honest portrayal, it, it, although a heightened version of a very honest portrayal of what people do when they're kind of in the death throes of a relationship. If they're both like trying if they're both trying to save it, but then coming to the realization that it's not gonna work. If one person loves it and one person hates it, then it's a whole different way to break up. But I don't know. I thought it was pretty pretty on point. Yeah, the uh, the fire didn't cause the explosion. No. said there was an explosion. Yeah, which we don't know about yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely something pretty massive. If they, all flights are grounded, yeah, this was like grounded. a 9-11 level thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree with a lot of what Rob just said in terms of the um, depiction of the end of a uh, uh, relationship. And particularly, it uh, it seems that uh, at the end of relationships is when you te- you uh, I, I tend to be most self-reflective and, uh, and just sort of personally like, what's my shit? Mm-hmm. What's the stuff I'm dealing with? And then that comes to uh, to full bear as like the two become separate ones. It's like, oh, it's got to be about my stuff too. So mm-hmm. I, I did like that depiction. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts, David? Uh, I mean, I, I, I agree with both, both Sean and Rob. Uh, and not Mike. Not Mike. I Never Mike. I haven't said it. Uh, well, even before you say it, I can just see your in your eyes that I don't agree with it. Um, yeah, I think this is a weird one where I might have to rewatch it. I think I think I might have to rewatch this it. This one definitely going to be rewatched. Now that I know where it ends, <coughs> David was thinking wanna... of pizza the entire time. <laughs> there was a so I'll just say I'll just say, and I hope Pizza Hut's listeners, you scumbags, <laughs> that I ordered the pizza. I ordered the pizza at eight thirty, and it's ten fifteen right now. Oh, that is the yeah. worst. Who will answer for this? You're gonna call? Is this another calling corporate with Dave yeah, Vanella? We've done right. it before with yeah. Taco Bell. You hear that, Mister the Hut? Yeah. We are coming for you. Who me? You can call out <laughs> yeah. the names of the people who made your pizza and are delivering your pizza because of Pizza Track. Oh, that's. That's true. I can't. Oh, no. Give I don't us know. their I names. It's not their. It's not. It, look, it's never the employee's fault. It's the institution's. Fault. No leftovers so far. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, there was one moment in here that we did get a another confirmation of the supernatural because in the book of Garvey, um, they describe the moment that he pushes the girl into the well, which didn't happen in conscious Garvey, uh, and he didn't tell. To our, we, 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 we don't know that he didn't tell. We don't know that he didn't yeah. tell anyone, but he didn't tell anyone on show. Yeah. yeah. So there Very was well some. He could have told Laurie. He could have something like he that. He could have told Laurie. I mean, he could have perhaps told Michael in a moment of, you know, Michael was the guy that found him. Yeah. You know, uh, and actually unburied him, right? Or, yeah. At least as, in terms of what the viewers know. Right. Yeah. It seemed like, oh. It seemed like the show wanted us to be like, here's another little tidbit. Somebody knows something that there's really no reason they should have. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the, what, what did you make of the EB, not EB stuff? So that was part of my one complaint. Um, Ooh. It, I, so I, you saw this from, from a mile away, um, which is not because I'm smart because I felt like, um, it's not furthering the story of Kevin's character development in any way. It's, um, uh, presenting what we already know about Kevin, um, in in uh, a, 
just sort of a different version of the same, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to see, I guess, a little bit... I, it felt, again, redundant to say the breakthrough has to happen through Laurie. The one interesting aspect to me that came out of this was Laurie's strong diagnosis afterwards that this had to do with his fear of family mm-hmm. and his fear of connection, which um, I don't think they did a good enough job within this story arc of getting to. It just landed late um, when um, the person who was not actually Evie said that this was about family, which was already Laurie's diagnosis to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it just felt like I didn't feel the arc in this particular episode while I was feeling it throughout the rest of the show. Um, this way of telling that story didn't seem to make sense. Yeah. Yeah, especially because I was, I was thinking about it, and like until Laurie like, mentioned it, it's like, oh, right, like... Kevin has, like, two kids that are, like, in that area, or not in the area of Melbourne, but were, like, near him that he didn't tell. For the first time in seven years, by the way, they're both, like, hanging out happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And he didn't tell them anything about where he was going. Um, And with Kevin Garvey, anytime he goes anywhere, there's a chance that he might not come back from that place. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So it is very... Yeah. Um, So... I thought it was very interesting the like I called in the beginning it was completely wrong but I was like oh that's the last time they were going to see each other because she was kind of making a beeline and she did not look back and I kind of felt like they, they so they did see each other but what if Kevin hadn't had I mean I guess they had t- plane tickets next to each other it just felt like if they had never seen each other again that Nora was cool with that that Nora was just like that's fine um, because did Kevin know the extent of what she was going down there to do? She explained it to him and then yeah. fell asleep immediately. So she explained it to him. I'm going to go where they were sent. And, and then they're like real casual about it. Like, but to him in that moment, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty significant breakup. Well, like, she also explained it in the turn or in the, um, uh, within the, I can't speak. Um, under the guise of her going down as part of the DSD. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of came out like, well, you're going rogue? You're, mm-hmm. well, it, it's cool, you know? Um, okay, so, so she never at one point said, like, hey, look, this is the thing I want to do. I want to go down there, and they have a, they have a, 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 a machine that will send me to wherever the people that departed She's explaining went. the scam. Okay. To him. Okay. Because I at one point I was like, man, they, like, she's, she, like, obviously she's checked out, or she's re- she's realizing that what she wants, which is to see her kids again, yeah. uh, far out, far outweighs any relationship she might be in. She tries downplaying that throughout this entire episode, but each time Kevin, you can see on Kevin's face that he he sees that she's a little more into this than she's letting. Yeah. She's letting yeah. on. Um, we've learned that Australian. Uh, Australian morning talk news programming is 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 wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a pancake. Yeah. It felt exactly like every clip on YouTube I've ever seen yeah. of like <laughs> I've watched I've watched like thirty minute long compilations of, yeah. of, of like just Australian morning morning program. Well they got rid of guns, so they have nothing else to talk yeah. about, but everything's yeah. fine. Yeah. It's really yeah. bright. Yeah. It reminds me of Korean cinema and that it shifts tones wildly yeah. from <laughs> talking about two missing Kevins to yeah. talking about pancake. Yeah. Yeah. Well they didn't get rid of headbutts in 
Australian. No, they didn't. Boy, guys, kabong. Yeah, he got the he got the hooligan. <laughs> he got bonked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he got bonked. Um, uh, why did they play sexy music when Nora was going through? That was the weird. That that part was very strange for me. It was like very when like, Nora went through what? bomb chicka wawa when when yeah. Nora was going through, through airport security air, TSA. And it was like, oh, I think it was like heist music, right? It was like, it was like seventies, like it was like, yeah. like, like touch like Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah, it. you need to talk to the music supervisor because I agree that um, the like the choice could have been a little bit closer to heist and further away from porn. Yeah, because like, and then like, it looked like the TSA agent was like giving her because giving her of the eyes. music. Yeah, yeah, maybe. It's a little yeah. weird. Yeah, disapprove. <laughs> I hated this episode. Now it stinks. <laughs> um. Yeah, that. Yeah, I just kept thinking, like, man, someone's gonna have to change their kid on that table after you guys just like hard screwed on it. Like, come on. Yeah. But now I think it's just kid. Butts now I just feel like, is butts. that what most? Is that mostly what people use family restrooms for? Is everybody just? I'm never going in. Um, well, unless you gotta bang someone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I don't have sex. Um. <laughs> so you're definitely rock. never gonna go yeah. into one no, to yeah. change a baby. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I could babysit on a plane. Um, oh, I love that rock movie. <laughs> Jack Black. Yep. The Rock. Babysit on a plane. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of the big tentpole moments that stuck out. I'm, uh, I'm waiting for Mike to lead us. Lead us. <laughs> oh, Leader. Uh, well, we were kind of just jumping all around. Uh, one of the things that I enjoyed, uh, we already kind of touched on it, was when he goes to the library, when Kevin goes to the library to um, tr- uh, track down uh, Danya. Gorgeous uh, library. Big yeah. library. It really was a gorgeous Citadel. library. Um, and, I just want to take him uh, to a bathroom. And and <laughs> he's like, no, just, just, just call her. You know, it, just fucking call her. Um, just do it. Uh, and then she's like, ding. Yeah, yeah. He's was that, being weird. He's being weird. weird. <laughs> was that mildly? You're being weird, Mike. Uh, no, I guess it's not that uh, she just like uh, pulls the trigger kind of uh, early, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I, I you know again, Australia, no handguns, but mm-hmm. libraries, in my estimation, they get weirdos. Oh, so I have a little insight to this. Um, my, I've, uh, I've masturbated in a library. <laughs> no, my fiance used to work at a library in the computer lab. Oh God! Yep, you and have a bell. She, she. Well, people who don't um, have access to private computers will use on numerous occasions, sure. and and on numerous occasions would have to inform security to remove people because they were either you know doing what you think they would do when you know you don't have any shame to look at porn, but anywhere but a public library or the ability, um, but also like. Yeah, people will go in there just, like, watch YouTube clips for, like, seven hours of, like, very, like, just deep stuff. Um, And, yeah, so it's, it's, I I, I can attest that that was not a, that was not a quick trigger. Like, you don't, you have to cut that off immediately. You're like, no, this isn't Uh, happening. I saw a great video recently of, um, there was, like, some, some, some teenager was like, look what I found. And it was a guy in the library looking up porn and taking picture of the porn on his phone ostensibly for later <laughs> i guess because he was like trying to save his data or something oh, like man. that yeah uh but yeah so libraries and i feel like even like just like computer stuff aside 
there's still a lot of weirdos that go to libraries. It's, pub- it's a public place that's mm-hmm. um, indoors. That's safe and comfortable. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened when I was a kid, I would just go into a library, find the dictionary, and just look up dirty words and giggle. Did you really? Oh, yeah. School wow. library? I would, go to the, I would go to the school library and just, like, I would, I would see if they had any Calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. If they didn't have that, I would look for, through Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And then uh, when that was over, I would go find the dictionary and just be like, boob. I had a, I had a stint where I, I spent a lot of time, like, going to the library and, like, doing, like, getting books out, reading, just being at yep. the library. Yep. By the time I was in college, I, I never studied in the library. I almost never went to the library. Um, except when I had to, like, really do research. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they are library. nice. They are nice. They are nice. You know, mm-hmm. I love a library. Yeah. He's being weird. Yeah. Being weird. Uh, yeah, and I didn't know there's a rule that you can only carry ten thousand dollars worth of money with you. Yeah, and ten thousand dollars is a, is a cutoff point for a lot. Like if you federal crime stuff, right? If you open a bank account with more than ten thousand dollars, it it's immediately reported to the IRS. If you win more than ten thousand dollars at a casino, yep. Uh, it's immediately reported to the IRS, yeah. um, and and they can give you like it, if you're if you're in Canada, they have to have the cash on hand at a casino to pay out whatever they could possibly pay out. Like uh, if you win if you win five hundred grand Canadian, uh, at least it's the way I last time I was in a Canadian so like, casino was over like roughly roughly uh, twelve bucks it's, four three eighty get yeah. out of here get out of here um, no but like Take they have that, to give it Trudeau tax free. Yeah. And you have to receive it in cash. Like, what? They, yeah. Shit, I'm going to a Canadian casino. Like, I don't I, know. I, last time I was in a Canadian <laughs> casino was like probably, probably close to 10 years ago. But they were like, yep, if you win, you could win 500 grand of a million, whatever, and they have to give it to you in cash. And it is tax-free. It's not not reported to anyone. And we should say that that's why Jolie is not here tonight. Yep, she's, she's at a Canadian casino. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Winning big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Causing laughs um, and winning big. Apparently, um, like, the dogs at airports, um, the thing that they are sniffing for more than drugs is cash. cash. Oh. That makes sense. Fun. Cash has a smell? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, is it distinct that you can just, like, train dogs mm-hmm. to I think you cash. can train dogs to smell anything. You can train dogs to smell cancer cells. Uh, I have a friend whose dog is a cancer-sniffing dog. Hmm. Yep. All right. Taking to a public library. Yes. Oh no! No, that's a, just a real sad picnic yeah. to be at. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! He must smell my dog. Nope. Ah, <laughs> oh, this this took a turn. This podcast took a turn. Welcome to Sadcast with the Sad Boys. Yeah. Uh, Answer's funny, right? So, John Murphy's still scamming. Yep. Uh, and there was the moment where uh, he said that his wife or someone else, or someone else in the guy's family, uh, had departed. Yeah, it was like my uh, sister. Sister were, departed. Sister yeah. departed, and they were like, "Abort, abort." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I think it's because they can't find anything on the person. No, my well, maybe. Uh, but my thought is that the uh, what it takes to heal someone psychologically is slightly different from somebody who's departed okay, than somebody yeah. who's died. Sure. Um, <laughs> And uh, that's a running theme in this episode as well, because yeah. part of the fight at the end with Nora and Kevin is about like you're you're you lost your kids, and so I didn't, I didn't, my kids didn't die. Yeah. Um, 
They're somewhere. They're just, they, they're not, they they're just gone. went away. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's, I mean, that's part of the interesting thing about the um, distinct drama of a trauma of this sort, I believe, is that like the way in which somebody is taken from you um, yeah. and can make it hard for you to generalize about coping. Yeah. It's much more akin to like somebody being abducted and then never returned or um, somebody just running away and never being found. It's, it's, there's no closure. It's just, yeah. And now, and this episode was all about, like, maybe trying to find that, and then having that. I mean, you gotta... Whew. That was rough. Like, getting that close, going through all that, and then be like, nah, sorry. And without any reason, we just won't be looking... Uh, we're not We're not going to be moving forward with this, and then just leaving in a Jaguar. Uh, like, that, what, a, what a weird operation. Yeah. I guess... I, I, they probably just go to different places and set up different spots because like they were they were willing to leave there and have her remain. Yeah. They didn't care. Like she was in there. There was so there's no equipment. There. I'm sorry, you you've transitioned from John's thing to yeah, the other. Very very quickly and yeah, you didn't provide a transition sorry. sentence. Um but my you, mind made you it kept make using sense. pronouns as if we were referring to the same um, You were talking yeah. about uh <laughs> I okay. said the, the closure I was, that I was looking for. Right. And the closure so referring to Nora. Nora is yeah. looking for closure <laughs> at the end by actually making contact. But it was very interesting that they I were... followed, P.S. Thank you. I, sure you I followed your... as well. I just yeah. realized that it was... It I just was trust just our listeners. I think we have the smartest <laughs> listeners in podcasting, <laughs> and I think they can follow my tangents. Um, you, you switch between that and... Us describing everything that has happened on the show to you uh, uh-huh. in previous weeks. <laughs> I'm very, you know what? When I'm tired and, and physically exhausted, I'm very mentally astute. Uh, I'm so sorry. I, continue. I, um, no, I, I think I think um, I got. I mean, we can dive into the the session with uh, with the. Yeah, that's I have no idea where they were from, but they sounded somewhat Nordic. Yeah, they were from Finland from last yeah, week. Yeah, cool. Right, so um, nailed it. Uh, yeah, so the physicist and uh, her skeptical partner. <laughs> physicist and her just friend that's mm-hmm. there. The sarcastic. That's just Claire. I think she's called Dr. Baker. Yeah. Um, Is that right? Yeah. Like Doc- Marklin Baker? Yeah, they mentioned Marklin Baker, but they also referred to her as Dr. Baker. Could um, be. The, the, the doctor was, the, the actress was played by a Dutch woman, which means nothing. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I thought that that whole section was... What we what we know is that uh, Nora is unflappable when put into stressful situations. Mm-hmm. She's pretty calm heart rate. I mean, we saw that at the end. Did she fall asleep? <laughs> That's what it seemed like to me. It seemed like yeah. that she yeah. like oh what no <clears throat> my hair what year is this? <laughs> um, but and then at the end, did anybody she's... watch review with uh, <laughs> Andy Daly? Yes, so anyway, good. just a. Thro- uh, shout out to that. Um, at the end, she's unflappable. She's in a burning building and just smoking a cigarette. More yeah. more pissed that the sprinkler came on to put Shit. it out than anything else. Yeah. Um, so, so there's no right answer to that question. Is that well, so I, as somebody who uh, teaches ethics, I can. Uh, I mean, we all. I'm sure know that this is a classic ethical question, right? Um, the there and the two. Um, schools of thought uh, in ethics that um, divide this uh, question is consequentialism or utilitarianism, which says that the um, uh, the greater good should be um, pursued here, that we are killing one, one um, child to save so many more people. It's just a, uh, a matter of doing the math of um, 
mm-hmm. the uh, benefits outweigh the negatives. Um, the um, uh, deontological approach, which considers other things like the importance of individual moral rights, let's say, um, would say that uh, performing any specific action that is so negative toward one person can't be justified by the results um, or the consequences. Um, and I was particularly intrigued by Nora's specific responses to this question because yeah. um, psychologists uh, were studying moral development in the 70s and um, they were providing these sorts of like dilemmas to kids and high, high school students. And um, the way that she was asking questions in response was um, particularly gendered in an interesting way. So she was asking like specifics um, that the the physicist and her partner like were trying to argue were irrelevant. But she's like, well, if you want an answer to the question, you're going to need to tell me. Was it? Is it my kid? I mm-hmm. find that relevant. Is yeah. it? Is it painful? Um, is it painful? I find that relevant. Um, and that's the sort of questions that um, uh, women, when thinking about morality, at least in uh, Western societies, traditionally as a result of their gender training, uh, tend to be more concerned with the specifics of a situation and want to know before they provide any sort of answer. Um, whereas men are much more willing um, to abstract away and just consider like, oh, well, based off of these universal principles, I think I'll make this verdict. I don't have to concern myself with the particulars of the situation. So what do we think they were looking for if they were looking for anything? Cause I'm not, I'm not convinced that they still weren't just bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and some part of some, 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 uh, guilty remnant type, like manipulation cult thing mm-hmm. or just a scam or a research project, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if let's say they were legit and there is a right answer to that and that, and that that question was the reason that she didn't go forward. It wasn't other stuff. It was just that question. What's the right answer or what's the right way to answer it? Well, we know it's not there's one right answer because yeah. last week the uh, man who uh, immolated himself uh, answered the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what are they looking for? Maybe uh, it was her <coughs> uh, questions mm-hmm. that... Caused them to have issues. With I it. think those questions caused the skeptic um, to lean forward with excitement. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it was something else. Uh, I mean, the answer itself, where she seemed to turn away from where the questions she was asking were going. Mm-hmm. Right, where she was asking specific questions that seemed to lead towards one answer, and then, and she, then she flipped the switch of like, "Oh, I know the answer you're looking for. I'll be cold and calculating." And I, and I think put my guard up. I think for me, that was what I sensed was I was like, "You asked those questions, and then you answered the way that you thought you thought what they wanted to hear." Because mm. as soon as she actually answered, I thought that. They went, oh, like they were like, they seemed both disappointed and then they left very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if we're to uh, buy Nora's thought that the, the baby plant from the bus station was also a part of this, then that seems to be something that crucial. part gave me right. so much agita. That was <laughs> like, I hated watching that because I, I was like, no, no, you can just say no. Like, I know, I know yeah. that, but so that's... Yeah, yeah, you can just say no. Like, no, I have to be on this bus. I'm very sorry. I want to help you. But, like, unfortunately, like, it's a very... What what was funny to me is that it gave me the opposite agita. Which was, like, like, to me, it's, like, like, and I don't know what this is. And, like, it doesn't always work because, obviously, like, 
I interact with people, you know, in, you know, living in the city, you cannot go through your day without somebody making a direct appeal. Sure. hundred percent. Um, but like to me, there are moments, uh, and I, I really believe this, there are moments where somebody asks you for help and you are in a position to help them. And it might be some kind of inconvenience to you. And I believe that you have to hundred percent help. hundred percent agree. This was an oper- I think this was a moment where like you got to, you've got to give that help. Um, See, and, that's and, and I think that her returning the baby, I, you know, I mean, and obviously, like, and it didn't pan out for her anyway. But like, so you think it was connected? No, I don't think it was connected. I don't necessarily think it was connected. But I just, I, I mean, you know, from a, from me watching a show, yeah, that was the moment for me where I was like, okay, like, you know, like Nora, Nora's obsession is going to undo her. Yeah. I think I agree with you. I agree that if you're put in a position that you are able to help and it uh, and that that you should, it is the right thing to do. Even if it's if it's somebody needing, but like it's not on me to judge whether you're lying or not. If you're telling me and I'm able to help, I try to do so. Um, even if there's, the money's not going to the bus ticket you're telling me it's for, that's that's not on me to judge. In my opinion, I realize there's very valid opinions that are not that, but in this case, but if it, if, if I need that $5 to, let's say I have an electric bill and I need to pay it because it is my responsibility to do so. And that $5 is going to make or break that in this hypothetical situation, then I have a responsibility to not do that because I need to do that first. Otherwise I don't have light to make myself more available to get to work on time and, and do my work at home so that I can be of help to others in the future. Um, so what I'm saying is in that moment, Nora, the most important thing for her to do was to literally, the reason she's going to Australia was to, she believes to be on that bus at that time. She put that in jeopardy by, and then ultimately gave it back. Yeah. So for me, it was like in that moment, I was like, no, what are you doing? Like, just no. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm a monster, but. I, and that was like I was like this is not going to end well. Like obviously the show was going to have the bus show up then, and we, then we get to see what her move is, which is nope, they give it back. Yeah, I want to think a little bit about Nora's arc now in mm-hmm. this. Um, oh, before we do that, I'm sorry. Can you just indulge me? Can we go around the circle? And oh, are we going to answer? I was wondering if we were going to do this. The answer. We to can the save it for later. Do you guys want to do the hypothetical first? <laughs> do you want to end the episode with yeah, that? Yeah, we'll do that at the end. Yeah, now okay. <laughs> we're never going to remember. We're never going to remember. I'll write it down. I'll write it down. All right. right. Oh man, what a what a teaser! <laughs> it's just going to be if we would uh, I feel like I baby just, for a little while, right? I feel like it. No, uh, an interview. Yeah, sure. I feel like if, if, if we were you gonna, would nod to let somebody else painlessly kill a child so that cancer would be cured as a result of oh that question. So yeah, this is the. This is a less sinister version of that. If you press this button, somebody that randomly in the world will die, and you will get a million dollars. You won't know the person, but they will die directly. And with that, so you want to talk about Nora's? Yes. Uh, yeah, Nora's so Nora's arc—it's um, becoming more and more um, uh, child-focused, which uh, is also like uh, pretty gendered in a in an interesting way. That it's a, a woman who's very focused. Like we're not even talking about the fact that her husband departed um, at all in this. It's about her her two children departed, yeah. and then um, Lydia uh, she gave away. And Lily. last 
Lily, sorry, I apologize. Yeah. Um, and then uh, she went to see um, Lily last week, and now she's holding a baby. And now when she's told she can't go, like, we're supposed to believe that, like, she really did want to go. Which is in part about running away maybe from her life right now, but is also in part about, like, going to see her children again, um, we're led to believe. And then Kevin calls her out explicitly um, for a lot of this. Uh, what do you think about her character development in this way? Um, I think that I think that for is it strange to say or strange to think that this opportunity for her um, is some kind of like justifi- mentally justifiable end to this suffering in one way or another? Like either she goes through the portal, for lack of a better word. And she sees her kids, and she gets back everything that she's missing, and her suffering is over. Or, she's dead. Now, she can't make that call on her own here. She can't. She's not just going to end her life. Um, but to her, in her mind, it's like, there's no... If, if I am living here in personal torment, I can end it one way or another by taking this leap. And that's why it's so painful to her, because now it's like, all I have is this toil... And because it seems like that's where she is, she's in this place of toil. It feels like me to me like she is constantly pushing towards like a point of no return. Like this whole mm-hmm. this whole episode today, like it felt like she wanted a decision to be made for her. And I think that she would have felt weird either way. I think that she would have had this reaction if she got into the thing. Uh it's interesting thinking about Nora's arc because I think of her as one of the tougher characters yep. from the show. And like, so like, you know, Kevin, uh, you, you know, Kevin's barrage at the end, um, in some ways it, it felt unwarranted because I, that's not how I've read her at all. I mean, I've, I've read her as deeply hurt, but I don't feel like she has put shit on other characters the way Kevin has, the way Kevin's daughter has, the way pretty much every other character has placed their burdens on others. I've, I've never totally felt like Nora has placed her burdens on other people. Um, and, and so that, that makes, which again is why I kind of like, and maybe why I align this idea of like Nora just like, wanting something but also wanting that decision to be made for her um as, as she goes along i mean i you know i don't know i mean uh you know she she didn't want that baby she, she didn't want to have a kid with kevin and which i understand um are we answering the question like, that you asked? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it did. I mean, I don't know. It did. It didn't. And it felt like when she said she didn't want it, it didn't feel like it was a thing to make the focus on her or to, you know, to to say that she would have no excuse yeah. to do it. I mean, they very deliberately didn't show us her giving Lily away. So we can't see, we can't interpret, like we can only interpret that through how Kevin characterized it. And although um, she said year, last yeah, week. Last week, right? I mean, how she felt, but and but she, but even with that, she said something that was interesting, which was she said, "Why didn't you stop me?" Mm-hmm. So she says, "Why didn't you stop me?" So again, like I kept edging, hoping that somebody would 
hoping that you would intervene and, and this nobody is, intervened. And this was the same thing. I was edging, and in this case, they intervened the other way. Yeah, and I will say that that's uh, also, I think, indicative of the end of relationships. 100%. Right. 100%. Right? Where it's like, I think this is over, but I'm certainly not going to consciously tell myself yeah, that, right? right? So I might self-sabotage the relationship yeah. in a way that will lead others to make the decision for me right. so I can feel better and get off the hook. And what I've learned in relationships is when I start... If I'm starting to do things where I'm actively like, I'm going to do this in the hopes that they will react a certain way, rather than just say, hey, I need you... Uh, as my partner, I need you to. I need you to be this for me right now. I need you. To, I need to hear these words from you. Asking for what I need in a relationship is something that did not come naturally to me, and you know, and until I was in my thirties, um, and it would it would just be a lot of like I'm gonna do this, and they're gonna telepathically know what I need rather than just like. Hey, I, I'm feeling vulnerable right now. I need you to. I need you to be this for me right now. Um, if you're not, I understand, but I need to at least vocalize these needs because, as the person who's in the relationship, this is the back and forth that we get. And and the agreement is when you need those things, you are able to to uh, communicate them to me. And that's what I believe uh, makes for a good relationship. So here was this breakdown at the end of their relationship. Was you should have stopped me. It's like, well. You were pretty gung ho about this, and you didn't and talk to me. About you didn't it. talk to me about it at all. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's literally like, yeah. Is this whole show just about lack of communication? And Kevin, the king of not talking. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. stoic, yeah. stoic, uh, wrapping a bag over his head. And <laughs> oh boy, not talking. I wanted that to come up tonight, <laughs> but hey. Uh, I also in in the heat of the argument, one one my uh, 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 smaller minor complaint is that that was some efficient. Um, uh, dialogue for a fight um, where I, I, I'm entrusting Tom Parada I would have loved a whole episode that was just the fight mm. uh, because so much can come out and it can be sloppy and messy in ways that that one was not as sloppy and messy as it could have been yeah. it was just like well we need it to be the final beat of our of our show mm-hmm. of this this week's episode yeah. um, but in that um, he did something that I think um, is one of those like uh, unforgivable moments where he accused her of playing the victim card a lot, mm-hmm. which is, um, I think, like uh, David was saying, it doesn't seem in keeping with her character as a very a sort of a strong person throughout this. That seems like um, to make a point of not doing that. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a point of pride that she goes in the opposite direction. Um, but also, I think it's the number one complaint of people who have had traumatic things happen to them not by their choice that others accuse them of playing the victim card when it's clearly a projection where you don't feel comfortable about somebody Mm -hmm. who's experienced a major trauma and so you feel bad around them but they are just living a life that they have been dealt I think basically anytime you accuse anyone of playing any type of card you're in the wrong you're like, playing the reverse you're playing the reverse yeah, card something card. that you're obsessed about that yeah, you can't you're like over. oh, like, oh I, I am very uncomfortable that you are bringing this up <laughs> stop doing that yeah. like don't like, yeah um well this this episode showed us a lot about ourselves <laughs> um are there any other big beats we're missing um we get Kevin Senior at the end that was huge which I think in the framing of um having 
uh, Kevin Jr. have a psychotic rea- uh, um, break. Uh, break again right so close in, in this. It's very comforting to see that at the end. Like, mm-hmm. is this real? Like, that's a fun... I mean, I think it's real in the in the show's universe, but in Ke- in Kevin Jr.'s head, I think it's very... Oh, yeah. Very... Um, um, there are a couple... It's pleasing to see that. There are a couple that. things that were so, so tight that happened in this episode in terms of, like, how, like, the double meanings and the, the things going on in Kevin Jr.'s head, like, the way that um, fake Evie said, um, she told me to do it, right? Mm-hmm. We've encountered multiple characters who have had other people telling them things. What a trooper, um, by the way. The the real oh, yeah. girl. Yeah. Just to be like, oh, hey, because it must have been yeah. like she contacted her on Facebook. Hey, this weirdo's going to come to you. I would like you to talk to him. Yeah. I would like you to talk to him Jesus and say these things. I just be like, no, I'm calling the police immediately. Yeah, he, what are you talking yeah. about? Um, there was that moment. There was the moment when uh, Kevin Sr. said, I saw you on the TV, mm-hmm. right? And your immediate mind goes to the assassination episode. And then it's like, oh, no, he was in the background of Good Morning Adelaide mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that all that stuff was like, you know, very interesting. And there was that little throwaway line in the beginning, like, would you like us to add your name to this account so that you can... He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, hang up. That's the only way that Kevin Sr. would have been able to like be like, is there a Kevin Garvey there? And that yes. Yeah. So it's like they really did tie things mm-hmm. up, uh, which I, I know, I'm never a stickler for that kind of stuff, but it's it's nice attention to detail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about it, I don't think, uh, but uh, AHA, take oh, yeah. on me yeah. with uh, uh, parts throughout this episode. Yep. Three different versions of it. Uh, I like the um, the brass band version best. Yeah, that was interesting. I My head went to, who's the person that's like, this is my, I guess it's you. Um, I was like, who's the person who this is my favorite version of, because... Those like pop song covers are like there's a whole there's a whole market for um, like chamber music versions of Radiohead songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I like I like pop music mm-hmm. melodies and Please. but yeah. what I my my preferred method of, mm-hmm. of ingestion. But yeah, could they be this. slower and sadder? There's yeah. or there's Lincoln like reggae ones. There's there's a, there's a whole band. There's a reggae band that they just cover like yeah. Ver- and oh, yeah. by the way, their OK Computer is. Much better than has any right to be. <laughs> Toots from Toots and the Maid's Halls is on it. Yeah. It's very good, but yeah, it was interesting. I will say that uh, uh, brass music has a particular hold on me because as a child, I grew up listening to drum and bugle core music. Sure, mm. my father was a, a percussion instructor in various corps, so um, that just has nostalgia. I like bagpipes a lot. Yeah, I don't know why, but I do love bagpipes. Kind of drum and bugle. Uh, I like piano. So, oh, you like the piano version? We're all what is it about? Take oh, I mean, I actually liked Aha's version the best. Uh, what is it about that song? Yeah. Do we know what the lyrics are about? I was looking it up. Uh, it so it's like... uh, talking away. Uh, I don't have that don't much to say. I'll say anyway. <laughs> Today isn't my day to find you. Shying away. It seems I'll be like coming a for your love. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and isn't In the, the video uh, kind of like crossing over? It is. Yeah. It's crossing right. back and forth between animated and 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 live action. Yes, and the the main character starts live action and turns into mm-hmm. tur- uh, crosses over into the animated world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. some themes there for sure. No, isn't it the other way around? Isn't it the main yeah. character? It, the, the male character starts out as a cartoon. And becomes well, and, and if we want to, we, we can get really. But the the chorus is "Take on me, take me on. I'll be gone in a day or two. Yeah. So. That's probably literally what this is about. Because literally, how many days before the seventh seven year are they? A day or two? Yeah, that's probably more. <laughs> We're thinking very hard. Six but. days, I think. 
Six days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Six days. Uh... Yeah, I think we hit pretty much uh, pretty much everything there outside of the guy on the on the bench. Uh, mm. You're a good person. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just in that theme, she could have and, just, and she just said, run right off. And only a few days left, and she said, uh, "Hopefully, yeah, or if we're yeah, lucky, yeah. if we're like lucky, that. yeah, yeah, yeah." Mm-hmm. Um, which could have it sounded like just like, "How's the weather?" Oh. Ran yeah. too much, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's how we all talk about Trump lately. Where it's like, I don't know what side you're on, but I guess yeah. this is our small talk yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, and you went to end with darkness. Is that what was happening? You were ending with uh, darkness. Oh, I, I know. I, I just wanted to hear. Uh, I just wanted to hear each person's verdict on that uh, conundrum. Mm, I think we should go with the. Uh, ethics teacher last. I'm most I'm most sure. interested in hearing yours, so I think our audience might be similar. Let's start with me, and then we'll go sure. Mike, Rob, Sean. Sure. Sound good? Um, so for me, I mean, I, I actually, I mean, I, and maybe this is the product of being raised by women, I thought that uh, uh, I thought that Nora's questions mirrored mine yeah. uh, to a, a major extent uh and the only one that would have possibly changed it would be if the kid was mine, I would be more inclined to do it. Interesting. Um, but to know that the kid is not mine, I don't think I could do it. I don't, I don't think I could make, uh, I don't think I could make that choice on behalf of you know, on, on behalf of you know another group of people, um, mm-hmm. so I'm a, I'm a, in the, in the uh, I'm, I would not nod. Uh, I would not nod. Um, I guess I would just assume that we're going to find another find another way to cure cure things, uh, and uh, I don't need to I don't need to have any part of that. Um, I'm a weird one. I think. Uh, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could nod whether it was mine or another. I'm, I acknowledge, though, that it would be harder for me to do it for mine than uh, another, which probably lends itself to what I'm going to say next, which is I would want somebody else to do it. I would be fine giving away the responsibility of that. Mm-hmm. And, and if I were to do that, I would hope that they would choose the greater good, um, uh, realizing that then it could be my kid. Um, but... I don't think I could do it. Now, I'm thinking of some other hypothetical questions that I could go in the way that I would think they should go right now in terms of what's going on in the world that I would probably say, that I might be able to nod to. But cure for cancer, even though I have a ton of it in my family and I have a bunch of family members that have died from it. Not a bunch, but enough. Um, I don't I don't think I could nod. I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I think it's interesting to think about this, uh, like whether I have the psychological resolve to nod mm-hmm. um, versus whether I think it's the right thing to do. So I liked your um, di- uh, divorcing those two questions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the psychological resolve is difficult for me. I don't. I'm just squeamish mm-hmm. um, at, at taking the personal responsibility stuff. Um, if you ask me, uh, in my twenties, I almost certainly would have said it's the uh, right thing to do to nod uh, for utilitarian reasons that just sort of. Um, out uh, the the ends justify the means, mm-hmm. um, and I think my um, uh, ethical training has has been complicated um, to the degree that I think of loyalty as far more of a virtue now in my life, and uh, a commitment to things like family and partiality, saying that 
this, uh, if this is my child, let's say, or this is a family member, um, that I'm willing to do more and care more about that than for some greater good. Um, although I think at this particular point, um, it's not one over enough in my brain. So I probably would wind up nodding in this circumstance, or at least wanting to nod, um, whether I had the psychological resolve to do it or not. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, because I feel like I actually have the psychological resolve I to not... I, I think it's... I, I I disagree with. Yeah, you think it's not it's not a it's not a morally correct choice. I think it. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I think the, obviously because I would want somebody else to do it. I think it's the morally correct thing to do, but I wouldn't have the strength to do yeah. it. Well, there's another interesting way to do this, and this is this is another. Um, so what I'm referring to when I talk about this, like theory of moral development in the 70s, mm-hmm. it became really famous because a um, a Harvard psychologist named Carol Gilligan criticized it. Uh, and basically um, invented feminist ethics as a result of this. Um, there were so many um, women and um, young girls who were just rejecting answering the question, saying, like, I don't want to answer this question unless you give me more specifics. I just want to know a lot more about this. Like, like Nora, would right. I? Yeah, so Nora started asking specific questions. And, um, and also just, like, why am I dealing with hypotheticals in the first place? Mm-hmm. There's um, a somewhat well-known philosopher named Martha Nussbaum, who, whenever she's faced with a thought experiment, says, you know, I don't think that thought experiments are actually helpful when figuring out morality. So as far as thought experiments go, I don't want to answer them because I just think we're getting further from what, what matters mm-hmm. about morality. Yeah. So that might be closer to, to what my answer would be, which is that I don't care about this question. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting about that? that- it, it, that just reminded me of um, the movie No Country, book, movie and book No Country for Old Men, and yeah. how that movie ends, which is uh, he kidnaps Josh Brolin's wife, and the whole time he, you know, he'll be asked these thought experiments, or, or he and in this she, one he just asks him to her to, to pick heads or tails, and she, she says, refuses. No. Yeah, and that is the first time you see this guy shaken by something. Mm-hmm. She says, if you're going to do this, you got to do it. It's all yeah. on you. Yeah. yeah. You are making the decision. I'm not leaving this up to anything yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, I think that's also a wonderful analysis from feminist ethics. Yeah. Um, that, that end of that movie. All right. All right. Well, there, actually, I'm sorry. This one last story related to this, which is uh, apparently there's like this famous, um, oh, here's, here's something for feminist now, or for, for, um, we all we almost ended this. It was going to be a podcast. Moral conundrum is: Am I within my right? If I if I nod, can a couple goons beat Pizza Hut? I can't beat a corporation to death. Yeah, we should try. Um, no, but um, is there? Apparently, there's this lawyer, uh, a famous uh, trial lawyer, um, who used to um, who used to pose to juries. He was a, de- a defense attorney. He used to pose to juries at the end of trials. Um, he, he would say, you know, tell the story about, um, you know, there's an old man who, uh, who approaches a boy and he says, I've got a frog in my hand. And, he has, and he's holding a frog and he says, I've got a frog in my hand. Uh, and I, I forget what he tells the boy, but he says, if you do one thing, uh, then uh, I'll let the frog live. And if you do the other thing, then I'm going to crush this frog in my hand. And he says, so what are you going to do? And uh, the boy says... Sir, it's not my choice. The frog is in your hand, right? And then he would turn to the jury. And he was a death penalty lawyer. And he said, he turned to the jury and he said, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the frog is in your hands. The frog is in your hand. Um, and apparently it worked 
I mean, and this might be an entirely apocryphal tale, mm-hmm. but it's one that I've heard uh, a couple different times, uh, and it always was interesting to me because, again, we think of certain things as, um, oh, this person made me do this <coughs> thing, or I, mm-hmm. um, you know, hundred percent, yeah, or, or that, or, or the other way around, um, and we forget like about that. So yeah, anyway, about free will, yeah. Um, All right, that is. Season three, episode four. Good eye, Melbourne. Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne. Uh, Rob, what do you got coming up? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brotherly Rob. Um, uh, every other Friday, every first and third Friday. Thank you, places and improvised musical. Um, check me out on my website, robalessiani.com. David. Um, every Tuesday. 9 p.m. at Fit Comedy with the Future. Uh, you can also check me out. Uh, I, uh, two weeks from now, I'll be in Toronto for the entire week. That's May... Canadian uh, Casino. May 22nd to May 29th. Uh, yeah, I'll be at a casino the entire time. Do it. Uh, earning that tax-free Canadian... Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Those loonies uh, and yeah, toonies. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll be at, performing at the uh, Combustion Festival um, at Bad Dog Comedy Theater, so please come check that out if you're in uh, Toronto. I would oh, I would love to find out where who who listens to this podcast and where are you from. So hit us up somehow. And um, yeah, that's it. Sean, you can follow me on Instagram at Sean Keegan Landis. I do think some people who listen to the podcast have been following. <laughs> there are at least people I don't know in real life, so that's good. And um, the show I promoted that I will be on uh, last week uh, got moved. Its date is now uh, Sunday, June 4th at 8.30 at Good Good Comedy Theater. The show is called Science Thrill with Lolly Gill. Uh, it's just been pushed back a month. I'll be on that. Cool. This is Mike. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Marbach. Pretty much on everything at Mike Marbach. Uh, and you can go to watercooler.com, W-O-O-D-E-R-C-O-O-L-E-R for this podcast and more. We just added two more recently. One is Should Have Gone Home and another is Kid Goggles. Uh, so check those out. Uh, and you can see me on stage at Fit uh, Philly Improv Theater uh, every Monday at 9 p.m. in the Seltzer Hour. Uh, so... Uh, do those things. Uh, and you can also, uh, if you're unsure, just go to the little um, blog for this uh, for this episode because everything will be linked and it will take you right to all of those places. So if you're in the Philly area, uh, we're trying to make it easy for you to check things out. Uh, thanks so much. Quick and, question. Yeah. Did we get a review, a new review? Not yet. Um, somebody, uh, a woman outside of uh, FIT asked me uh, if the giveaway was real. Uh, if we were going to sign a Bible and give it to a <laughs> reviewer at, ra- at a reviewer random, yes. uh, I think she's a I think she's a student at Fit. Yes, and she was like, "I'm a big fan." Uh, I, her name escapes me, and I apologize because if she's a big fan, she's listening. Um, I wanted to shout her out for for giving me an in person review. She yeah. really loves the show, yeah. and and say that sure we'll sign a bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have moral reservations about doing that. I don't. I. What about a Haftorah? Huh? Yeah, so I might be willing to um, sign a book that is the blank Bible, right? So some some other type of Bible that's not set, that's not religious. Okay. Right? How about the Bible of finance? Or Thanks, something. everybody. <laughs>